Today I'm talking to Ken Chang, who is a stand-up comedian, and it's been a difficult year to be a stand-up comedian with venues closed, and it must be very hard to keep you keep yourself motivated and keep yourself going being a comedian because you know there's podcasts and things like this, but you can't go and do a tour performance. But just in the last few weeks, people have started creeping out into doing quite unusual gigs with people sat in cars or doing it in like socially distanced areas and things like that. Have you personally been out doing any gigs since lockdown has eased? I did one, which was like an open air gig, but it was a bit weird. It was fine. It just wasn't quite the same. Yeah. Did you see that news story about Russell Howard? Walking uh, off. Yeah. 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 That was uh, pretty, pretty mad. Yeah. I think it's an unusual thing because he, yeah, he was doing a gig in a beer garden everyone was sat around it must have been quite an unusual vibe anyway with everyone sat so far apart and not usual atmosphere that you expect from a comedy show and then someone started filming him and then he he stormed off which i think yeah. was an odd an odd decision to make because i yeah. think yeah i mean would you, how would you react to something like that I, I don't think i've ever stormed off a gig i don't know what it's i'm quite surprised that someone has as big uh, and who has been doing comedy as much as Russell Howard did just decide, you know what, I'm storming off, especially as he is in the public sphere a lot. But I guess there must be a lot of frustration that got to him that was beyond just that one incident. Hmm. Yeah, because there's some comedians I've heard talk about that kind of thing and they say they hate being filmed when they're working material out because sometimes it can be quite offensive and when it gets put out on social media and things like that, it can be Mm. taken out of context and then end up making them look really bad but Russell Howard isn't like that so I was struggling to work yeah. out what that was like what was going on there yeah I, I don't know much about it really but it does seem like there must be more going on maybe he had a really tough day we don't really know what is going on with his life right now um but yeah I, I, I think I'd, I, I I've never thought about storming off a gig you just you just do it I guess mm. that's my attitude you just finished a gig then moan to your friends afterwards. <laughs> Do you ever get really angry with hecklers? Yeah, sometimes. I, I don't get that many hecklers in the gigs I do, but yeah, it can be really annoying. I I know when I was touring my Edinburgh show, uh, because like in Edinburgh you don't really get many hecklers, especially if you're not... If you do it in the afternoon, it's not really a heckler kind of vibe. Um, but on tour, I think people just had, you would just go on, you just go to a, you just go to a place where the audience just have a very different idea what, of what stand-up comedy is from what's like in the Edinburgh Fringe, where it's more of a, a show. Uh, they kind of didn't realise that. So they were like chiming in during probably the most important parts of the show, like very emotional parts. And that was quite, uh an unexpected thing because I'd never had that in that show but I, I mean I, I just go you know what these people don't really know what comedy they don't have a, the same idea of what comedy is to other people and you just have to roll with it I think I think it's yeah you see sometimes you see people that might manage to win the audience back and things like that but it's always heartbreaking to see a heckler chime in just when there's about to be a punchline or something like that and you think they've yeah. just ruined the show for everyone in the room but yeah yeah it's 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 a bit of a shame but that's the risk of live comedy it's all it's always different and I think yeah trying to bounce off that as much as possible is is the best but sometimes you can't been a comedian for several years now but you did not have the obvious route into that because 
you studied maths at Cambridge yep. and then made quite a controversial decision according to your stories about how your mother reacted to it. Um, <laughs> you dropped out of Cambridge dropped to out, become yes. a professional poker player of all things. That's right, that's right. I went into online poker. Mm. Um, yeah, that was the, the choice back in 2008, I think it was. Yeah. So was that something that you were always sort of doing as a hobby on the side of studies, Dan? I started, I started in sixth form, so I was seven, 17, just about to turn 18, was like when I started playing poker with my friends, and then I started playing online. I deposited some money online when I was just about to turn 18, I think, so I was technically not doing it illegally, but that's okay. Uh, no one's going to... No one's going to take me down for that. <laughs> um, but I, so I was doing it in school throughout my A-levels and I was making a bit of money. And then I, just before uni, I made quite a lot of money over the summer, like a lot for a teenager. So I was like, you know what, this is kind of a thing. And then throughout my first year of uni, I was like, oh, I, I just kind of want to play poker instead. <laughs> was that an easy decision to make? Um, it was hard because... Until that point, I'd never done any. I'd never really made any choices about my life. I just went to school, did my exams, did well in my exams, went to Cambridge, and that was kind of just what was expected of me because I was good at maths in school. I was like, you know what, I'll just do maths at Cambridge. I never really felt passionate about that, so it was quite hard to kind of veer away from you know what what school has taught you and what people around you have taught you is just go to uni, figure things out step by step. But while you were back at Cambridge, we, you were involved with the Footlights. So you had that taste of comedy and theatre and performance and that kind of thing. Well, well, actually, that was after I quit uni. After I quit uni, I didn't, I didn't discover any of that in uni. That's probably why my uni experience, my studying at uni experience was just so, so boring. I never ex- discovered that. I didn't have any, any idea I wanted to do comedy when I was um, 18, 19 at uni. And I didn't even know the Footlights or any of that comedy scene existed. It was only a, a couple years after, actually, I, was, I think I was 21 or 22, when I was still living in Cambridge. I still knew some students in Cambridge from my year. We would hang out and then we just went to a comedy gig together. And I was like, oh, wow, this, this whole scene exists. So actually I started from then onwards when I was no longer a student. That's when I discovered that, oh, comedy could be a thing for me. So that must be quite an unusual thing to leave and then realise that there was this thing going on. How did they how yeah. did even get involved with something like that after you've left? Uh, they're quite loose about who could perform. They're quite chill about that, and ultimately, they don't. There's no. There's no real rule, rules about that, and they're just like fun gigs. Like anyone can take part. They don't really care if you're. Oh, this guy's 21. He he's not technically at Cambridge, but it's like they, that doesn't matter. So I just started doing it in that scene and signed up to a few gigs, and it was very lax. So you're making good money doing poker and then you start mm. doing a more performance-based career. You're involved with the Footlights, you're doing stand-up and things like that. Do you still now yeah. do a bit of poker on the side or have you given it up to focus I've, on I've comedy? just gone back. So yeah, I just got back into it because of lockdown now that everything's stopped. I, I, I kind of, for the last three or four years is where I moved to London. I didn't move to London until 2016, so I was just still... Uh, living in Cambridge until then and I didn't even know I wanted to be a comedian like professionally until I moved to London that was the big transition where I was like okay I'm gonna take this seriously I'm gonna move to London make a real go of it I just got an agent just before I moved to London um so in those last four years I decided you know what okay I'll put poker 
to the side. Poker wasn't going that well for me at that time. I was a bit in a weird headspace about poker. It wasn't going that well. So I was like, you know what? Okay, I'll, I'll focus on comedy for a while and see what happens. So that will be primary. I'll, I'll come back to poker when I need to kind of like, stay ahead of rent or something in case it's a dry period. But I'll go into... I'll, I'll make comedy my my main pri- primary objective to like see how much I can improve my, my career in comedy. So I just did that for the last three, three or four years. And now that comedy just completely is dead, basically. I've, <laughs> I've got back into the poker very recently. Something that I hear a lot of people complain about is the the boring narrative that you can't say anything in comedy anymore. Everyone's too easily offended. But you made the bold decision to insult absolutely every country in the world <laughs> um, through giving every flag uh, around the world a sort of roast and pick apart the design of them. And I was just wondering, because there's one of my favourites is you were just posting tw- Twitter pictures of these flags and giving like a few yep. lines about them. Yep. And then you decided to film yourself giving the North Korean flag the middle finger. <laughs> they're a famously sensitive country, and I was just wondering if you ever face any backlash from them or from any other country, and what the main reaction was to like a little project like that. Yeah, I didn't face much back... I didn't face any backlash from North Korea. Maybe they just didn't ever see it. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I face... Some, some countries are more patriotic about their flag than others, I didn't realise. I think... I think Serbia or some somewhere like that in the Balkans. I remember there being like at one point it would blow up, it just blew up and loads of very patriotic Serbians were very angry with me. And I think the same happened with maybe India as well. Quite a lot of patriotic people there, but I think it really depended on on whether it infiltrated that country's kind of part of Twitter because it's all all the algorithm really. I, I guess every country has a lot of patriotic people about a flag, but. Most people, like like most people I know, don't really attach that much symbolism to the flag, or they can see that even if there is like fair symbolism of the flag, this is quite this project specifically. You can understand where the joke comes from. You can understand it's not coming from a place of actually attacking the countries. It's it's kind of a fun abstract joke. Convenies comes from personal experience most of the time. Yeah. And I see, I watch a lot of comedy on YouTube, and one of the most common things is if it's a woman, they say, oh, they only, they only ever talk about feminism or, you know, women's issues or something like that. But you kind of took a step ahead of this and you called a tour show Chinese Comedian. <laughs> just hit the nail on the head. And I was just wondering, was that like a, um, a response to people reacting like that? Why did you choose to call a show something that would, uh, yeah, why did you choose to call it Chinese Comedian? Yeah, it's was, it was kind of originally a joke to be like, well, no one would just straight up just go, you know, this this is Ch- I'm a Chinese comedian. It was kind of originally a joke, but then more of my stuff became about that experience over time. I, when I first did it, I thought, you know, it'll be funny if I just called it. It was straight up like, it'll be funny if I just called my show Chinese comedian because it's kind of, you know, playing up to it. Um, but then over time, I've actually started doing more stuff about that. And it has kind of become more about that. It's kind of, especially when I did the radio series, that was uh, primarily from that angle 
which was a different a challenge. Before that, I didn't really do that much personal stuff, but it has actually changed. That and how much actually people want to hear about that experience. People want to hear different different backgrounds and different experiences. I don't. I don't really care if people are like you know these. Oh, he's only talking about his race. I don't. I don't have any issue with that. They can. They can think whatever they want. There's always going to be backlash, no matter what kind of comedy you do. So, being a Chinese comedian, you know that's the, the thing that you open the show with. You talk about how no one's ever asked you what it's like being a Chinese comedian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And that's an unusual thing because if you're just an, another English white stand-up, it's very easy to see how other people form a comedy show and you've got lots of influences surrounding you because they've lived a similar life. So where do you get your inspirations from? And when you're talking about race and something like that, how do you form a show when there's not very much existing that you can take uh, hints from? Um, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess it. I feel like it has got a lot more diverse... Recently, with stuff like Netflix, you can watch Netflix, like, comedians, specials on Netflix. I guess it's more diverse in, well, it's, I think it was more diverse sooner in America, just because there are way more people there, um, that you do get a lot of different, different kind of models of how, like, people from different backgrounds do their shows like you have Ali Wong, Baby Cobra, and other show on Netflix, and she 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 so she does stuff about being an Asian American woman in a certain way, a pregnant Asian American woman in a certain way. You got you got a few others who you can model off. So actually, there I think the internet has helped a lot there. I think uh, British comedy has taken a while to catch up. I think it's also getting there as well. You get you've got loads more like diversity coming up in the last few years. So what are you writing, what sort of experiences are you writing about in your future shows? Because I imagine you probably had a Edinburgh show written this year that you've now had to put back on hold. No, I was taking this year off, actually. That was always the plan. So it kind of... Worked out okay all, for you. Yeah, it worked out exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, the timing was like way better for me than someone who was like put all their heart into preparing for edinburgh this year like people start preparing as early as december nowadays which means they basically come off their previous edinburgh like okay i've got one month break now i'm two months break i'll start thinking about what my next show is going to be and a lot of people were very very deep in preparing for that but and they have had to just stop everything and i'm I'm very lucky because i was i was not doing that i was already planning to have the year off which was nice um in terms of future shows i guess I guess it's quite hard because now with coronavirus, it's it's difficult because sometimes you 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 look at everything you wrote before coronavirus and it's it's kind of it's not irrelevant but it feels dated to not be about the virus. At the same time, everyone's going to be talking about the virus in some ways. So you have to find an interesting way to bring it in and the right balance of how to bring it into your comedy. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know about future shows. My I have some plans, but we'll see how it develops, really. On Who's Flying the Plane, we like to give the guests the chance to shine a light on something that they feel has gone unnoticed. Uh, That may be something from the world that you work in, but it doesn't have to be. Um, And we'd like to give the opportunity to choose a hidden gem. My friend, fellow comedian Bilal Zafar... Have you heard of him? He's he did a show called Cakes a few years ago in Edinburgh, which we were nominated for the 
Edinburgh uh, Comedy Award, and it was about how he uh, people thought he was like. <laughs> he basically trolled the internet because on Twitter his name is Zaffa Zaffa Cakes, uh, like Jaffa Cakes. Yeah. And he um, people thought he was an all Muslim bake an, a bakery which only serves cakes to Muslim customers. So he played into that and pretended to be this bakery and really pissed off a lot of racists. But he now is Twitch streaming. He's one of the few comedians who've made a very like decent transition into Twitch streaming. Uh, and he's doing this stream where he plays pro-evolution soccer from, I think, like 2005, the PS2 game. And he dresses up, he wears a suit, so he's on on the webcam in the corner in a suit and he pretends he very much role plays into the role of the manager while playing through the the the, the story of the football manager in the game and he says all the people in the chat in the Twitch chat you're my assistant managers so you get to <laughs> advise me and get invested in this story and it's really successful like a thousand people watch, like subscribe to it, I think and watch it when he streams and it's really funny it's just really funny do you feel like you'd gain anything from having loads of assistants playing poker if you stream that oh i think it would only confuse and hurt me i I have thought about streaming poker a lot of people do do it actually and it's quite Mm. it can be very fun and exciting to watch so I, i have thought about it How can we keep up to date with what you do and how can we find you on social media? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, mainly social media is the way to keep up with me. Uh, just Ken Cheng Comedy on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And, yeah, uh, that's basically it. I've got a website, kencheng.co.uk. I was just saying before this record that I made it myself, so it's not very good. It's not updated that often, but if you want to find out some basic information about me, you can go to that. Great stuff. Um, Yeah, thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me, Ken. No worries. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to seeing you perform live when that's uh, actually possible. Yes. One day. One day. One day.